0: W.A.T.D. presents John Paul, the Car Doctor. All things automotive. Have questions? Call 781-837-4900. Now, here's John Paul, the Car Doctor.
1: Well, good Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on 95.9 W.A.T.D. My name's John Paul, the host of the Car Doctor radio program, and that was Jesse you heard earlier, the executive producer of the Car Doctor program. And uh, I would use the word unreasonably cold wind chill temperatures today. You know, I, I did
2: that. It didn't go over too well. Yeah, and, uh, well. You know, yeah, they stripped yeah. my meteorologist right, uh, privileges away from me, and, you know, I've, I've adjusted ever since.
1: Yeah, well, well, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes it can be, you have to be out there sometimes to, you know, make the big changes in life, so. Try
2: to be uh, an edgy meteorologist. It just doesn't they, really seem to be a big market for it.
1: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, uh, we got a great program uh, planned for today. We have... Uh, uh, Zane Merver, he is half of uh, the Merver brothers who uh, run the website gm-trucks.com or gm-trucks.com, but you find it with the, you have put a hyphen between GM and trucks. Zane, good morning and welcome to the Car Doctor program. Hey John, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. Hey, I wanted to talk with you about a couple things, not just your website, which is always great reading, but you recently bought a Hummer electric truck right
2: yeah we did uh after putting our names on one two years ago when gmc first announced that they were going to produce an electric hummer we finally took delivery of it at the end of september
1: and so it was a two-year wait and from what i have read on your facebook page the it was absolutely worth the wait right
2: It is. Uh, I was really anxious to get it because the reason my brother and I purchased this Hummer in the first place was because we're really interested in this move to electric vehicles, especially electric trucks. Um, There's a lot of skepticism from people who own and use their trucks for work on a daily basis, and we wanted to see if that was well-earned skepticism or if maybe our EV future was a little bit smoother than we uh, think it might be. And so far, I've been extremely impressed in the truck. But for the public charging network that we find ourselves in around the country, um, that has not quite lived up to my expectations.
1: Well, that, that's a really good point, because you guys just, uh, you recently took a trip back home to Michigan, right? Oh, actually, uh, Ohio, but close enough.
2: um, We had some family business that my brother and I had to take care of. So literally the week after we bought it with only 300 miles on the odometer, we set off to northeast Ohio, about 600 miles away and completely dependent on the public charging infrastructure. Um, We had never never driven an EV that far before, we only had a couple hundred miles on this Hummer. We didn't know if we could trust it or how it operated really, but we we took off towards Ohio and I got to tell you, it took a lot of pre-planning before the trip. you know we've been so used to that there is a gas station at at every corner and you can just drive off in any direction and you're pretty much guaranteed uh, that you're going to run into a gas station and you're going to be fine you're going to be able to fill your vehicle up and continue on your way but with an EV it's not so simple you need to know where these public charging stations are and how they fit into your route and then prepare for them to not even be working which we found About half the time that we showed up, either the charging stations were operating slower than we thought or were full and we had to wait, or it just, you know, they didn't work at all, which did happen sometimes. And in that case, it was nice to know where the next closest charging station was, but um, a lot of times we just ended up having to wait. And that was the biggest takeaway that we found from driving an EV long distances versus driving a gas vehicle long distances was that you're going to be spending a lot of time waiting for it to charge. Uh, and you can adapt to it um, and uh, plan your trip, but in our, our route to Ohio, which normally takes about 10 hours with a gas vehicle, it took us 14 hours in the Hummer, which meant we spent around four hours charging it, which mm-hmm. is a lot for one day.
1: Yeah, it re- it really is. And the other part of it was, um, I assume you tried to find Level 3, which is the DC fast charge. Um, is that what you specifically went looking for, or did you at some point just take anything you could get?
2: When I started planning the trip a couple weeks in advance, um, we didn't know if we were going to take the Hummer or not, but I started looking into charging stations uh, just in case it arrived and we could drive it. And I... We ended up relying a lot on Electrify America, which is a charging station company. Um, but They seem to have the fastest charging stations and the, the easiest to use charging stations. We were able to have an app on our phone and see uh, what the speed of the charging stations that were available were, uh, whether they were 50 kilowatt, 150 kilowatt, or 350 kilowatt. Um, and If they were in use and all that kind of information, we, were, we could judge whether or not we should stop at a charging station a couple hundred miles out, as opposed to just showing up and seeing what we found. And yes, we completely relied on the DC fast charging network while we were out there. Um, And we were lucky, the route we took through New Hampshire towards Cleveland, Route 90 through Albany and Syracuse and Buffalo and Erie, Pennsylvania, that's actually a really well-developed charging corridor. So every 50 to 100 miles, somewhere, typically a few miles off the route, off the highway, um, we found them at Walmarts or um, discount malls or just, you know, kind of areas, there would be an Electrify America charging station. And the challenge, again, was, was there open spaces for us to park? Was there a 350-kilowatt charger available for us to use? Because the Hummer has one of the largest battery packs that EVs come with these days, but thankfully it's also one of the quickest charging EVs, which means that you can put 350-kilowatts of DC power directly into the battery pack, and go from 20 to 80 percent in about 45 minutes. And it's not too much of an inconvenience, but it it would it made all the difference to be able to rely on those DC quick charging stations. Otherwise, I don't think that trip would have been possible in the time frame that we did it in.
1: Yeah, and the the other part of it is um, the DC charging network isn't as robust as, like, Tesla's superchargers where you see, you know, uh, 10 or 15 charging stations. Typically, if you're going to go into a mall, you might just see half a dozen, right?
2: Or less. Um, I think the largest one we went to was six, and typically the ones we visited were in the order of four. And although they have cords in, like, maybe four chargers might have eight cords at the moment, only one cord per charger works. So you really have to kind of roll the dice a little bit and hope that the faster charger is working because if it's not, then you're going to be spending more time, you know, eating or just sitting there waiting. Um, and if it's not working at all, then you've got to find plan B.
1: Yeah, and that, uh, and that plan B can be, a, can be a real issue. And like you pointed out, uh, this vehicle has one of the, the largest batteries and uh you also mentioned that you can you can use the the higher capacity charger and i guess the style battery that's in this also doesn't take um unlike some other cars when the battery is very low the battery management system uh doesn't take a full charge right away. It has to kind of work its way up to that, where it sounds like the Hummer actually, you plug it in and you're good to go as soon as you're plugged in for that full capacity charge.
2: Well, uh, you know, a lot of EVs, what we found is there's this 20 to 80% rule. And that is they charge the quickest between 20% and 80%. So when we first took off on this road trip, Every time we stopped, we were like, oh man, we have to get this up to 100%. Unfortunately, that last 80 to 100% takes just as long as the 20 to 80%. So as our trip progressed and we became more comfortable with the range of the Hummer, we started living more in that 20 to 80% range, and that meant that every time we stopped to charge, it was a lot quicker, substantially quicker, almost twice as quick um, than sitting there and waiting for it to get up to quote-unquote 100% every yeah. single time. And that's a really good strategy, and it, it really helped us out.
1: Were you ever nervous that you weren't going to find a charging station? Were you ever concerned that, hey, are we going to run out of power and we're going to be stuck somewhere?
2: Um so the first leg in our trip from leaving southern New Hampshire was this uh walmart in albany new york and it didn't have the best rating for chargers but it was pretty much kind of the only thing in that area and if we couldn't get to albany and couldn't get a full charge there then our trip pretty much was going to end mm-hmm. and from new hampshire to albany is passing over the green mountains you got to go up a couple thousand feet and then you come back down a couple thousand feet so that was the most uh, nervous uh stretch of the in- Entire time that we've owned it because we had no idea like the vehicle said we would be uh, able to travel 330 miles on on a hundred percent full charge and it was like under 200 to Albany and and we just didn't know going up Mm. the mountains going up steep grades and coming back down the other side and then hoping
1: that a charging
2: station would even be there to help us (laughs) in the first place
1: yeah and did you notice any range variation like going up the Green Mountains was you know, where you had to put a little bit more throttle into it to get going. Did you notice kind of a range dropping off a little bit quicker or or you know, I've heard that people who have taken road trips on EVs find that really the range the range only varies if it's wind resistance. So if you tow a trailer, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna kill your range. But uh, I've been talking to people that have purchased uh some lightning trucks and they've packed them full of stuff and they said the weight really doesn't make any difference and was that about the same with uh, the hilly terrain as well
2: well one of the cool things about the hummer is it has google maps built into it and there must be some sort of interface with the truck itself but when you put a destination into it it will tell you what your percentage will be when you get there and it takes into account uh, elevation changes wow. um, and, and the temperature as well. So we were extremely impressed that throughout our entire trip and even to this day, that when you put in an address or, or you th- see on the readout have x number of miles left you can be really really confident that you're going to get to that location with the percentage that it says you're going to have or you're going to be able to go the, uh, the distance that it says you're going to be able to go the only one caveat that we've found to that relates to your wind resistance comment and that is when we hook up our 24-foot enclosed trailer. And it's massive, and, yeah, it's going to have an effect on the range. But so far we've seen it pretty much cuts the range in half when we hook that thing up to it.
1: Yeah, that's that's about what I heard as well. And, uh, you know, you, you look at how, uh, you know, this technology is, you know, coming down the road and what we're, what we're doing with it. I just read a note from my boss that said that, uh, you know, come, the next uh, you know, half a dozen years or so, all of our uh, AAA light service uh, emergency road service vehicles, so the ones that go out and do jump starts and tire changes and all that stuff, are all going to be electric. In fact, we ordered 36 Lightning trucks, which we have you know probably zero chance of getting more than three but we ordered them uh just to uh just to you know kind of pave the way for uh using electric vehicles to go out and do service and we're also hoping at some point the technology will allow us to do uh dc truck to dc quick charge so we can actually plug a cable in so rather than the 240 volt cable that comes that comes off the back of the truck we can actually do uh higher voltage dc charging direct to uh, a a vehicle so we can do quicker quicker road service if somebody does run out of electricity we can uh provide a quicker boost to their battery pack and get them moving so it is really it it is really you know maybe maybe it's not a hundred percent ready yet like you pointed out the charging infrastructure and all of that but uh the technology is pretty amazing all of these good things we've said, I'm on your website, and your Hummer got recalled for a battery issue?
0: Uh, yeah, well,
1: <laughs> yes. Um,
2: they, the GM has found that some of the batteries that they have used for the Hummers and their Bright Drop commercial vans that FedEx has purchased potentially could have a sealing issue and let moisture in the battery pack. What does that mean? What is uh, the repercussions of that? We're not entirely sure. Uh, I've been told that the vehicle is safe to drive, um, and it hasn't done it. Nobody's had any, let's say, catastrophic failures from this yet, but I do think it is one of those like little checks that should remind us all that this is extremely new technology. The batteries that are going into these vehicles are still pretty much being assembled by hand and using very... New pieces of manufacturing technology and materials, and we're going to run into road, a little road bumps like these. I think um, it doesn't really scare me, but uh, I'm paying attention to it intensely. Close.
1: Yeah, it it is sort of interesting that, and you know, and I think uh, you know people look at evs and they look at some of the ev fire issues whether they're you know with an electric vehicle fire or you know for that matter an electric bicycle battery that catches on fire in in an apartment in brooklyn or something um you know this this is not lithium ion isn't new technology i mean every laptop and phone has it and we don't worry too much about our laptops or phones catching on fire and the amount of car fires that happen with electric vehicles compared to gasoline vehicles, are way down. I mean, it, you, but they're also much more spectacular when they happen.
2: Unfortunately, and I've read some reports recently that that has tied maybe some of these electric vehicle fires into um, home charging stations not being properly installed um, and some of the dangers of that stuff. But that is a tangent we can go down for hours in itself.
1: Yeah, yeah and and, that, and that's what I found with some of the um electric bikes that had battery fires people were trying to charge them up with the same charger they were using to charge up their cell phone or whatever and they weren't designed yeah. for it so you know causing some of the same problems so i guess the you know yep. rule is you know whatever it is you know charge it up with the right the the compatible charger and make sure that it's working the way it should and uh, you know i i'm not sure if um GMC is doing it with the Hummer, but um, you know Ford has the ability, if you buy all the pieces and parts, that you can uh, use your, your vehicle as a kind of battery backup-style generator to keep your house going and if the power goes out. Is GM doing something like that? They are for
2: the forthcoming Silverado and Sierra EVs, but the Hummer doesn't have that technology right, right now.
1: Yeah, and what's 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 interesting about that? I was talking to somebody who um bought a Ford Lightning and they were and they're all EV. They have solar panels on their house and and they looked at buying the Tesla Powerwall and they're like with the cost of the Powerwall and how infrequently I was going to use it, they said, "You know, it makes more sense to buy the Lightning and the Ford kit to power up the house because I'm not spending a crazy amount of money on something that I'm probably never going to use. My truck I'm going to use every single day. And if I do need it, I can plug it in and run my house for, you know, in some cases up to a couple of weeks. So I, I, electric vehicles do have kind of an interesting uh, kind of sideline that they can, they can actually run your, run your house in some cases. So pretty phenomenal stuff.
2: It, it, yeah, for all of the negatives that I listed with the charging stations, um, my overall impression is just I am so excited about this electric future because of the performance I'm seeing with our Hummer EV. It is, it's got 1,000 horsepower, so it, really, it moves really quick. It does zero to 60 in three seconds, has four-wheel steering. Uh, in the morning, especially right now, it sits in my garage, and I can, with my phone, start it up, and it can run and heat itself up. In my garage because there's nothing burning so it can sit in precondition while it's it's, you know hooked up to my charging cord and i'm off to go with a completely warm vehicle right out of the get-go there's no waiting for any engine to warm up um and it's just it's the best driving vehicle I've ever been in in my entire life. The torque is, is, is instant. The throttle response is instant. This is the thing that you'll find in almost any EV. Um, the way they drive is just spectacular. So we can work through all of these issues, I think, and uh, come out with a product here that really, really performs better than gasoline vehicles, can ever perform, and I think a lot of people will come around to it in the near future if they can just get some experience behind the wheel of driving an electric vehicle.
1: And, and when the Hummer first came out, they had some crazy torque number, like... A, a billion foot-pounds of torque. I don't know what it was. Um, <laughs> it's, uh, so they measure it because there's an
2: electric motor directly geared to the hub in the back. There's no transmissions or anything. Right. So they measure the torque at the wheel, at the hub at the wheel, and it's 11,000 and a half foot-pounds of torque at the hub.
1: That, that might as well be a billion foot-pounds of torque. So the story I was told
2: off the record by GM engineers is they had to tune the acceleration down because in testing, it was lifting the front wheels off the ground. That's how much torque it can put down.
1: So you, you're you going to try to find a way to retune it back? Um, that
2: sounds like a great idea.
1: Yeah. And also on your website, which is... Uh, uh, GMTrucks.com, but you put a hyphen in between GM and truck. Uh, you did a comparison of GM's smallest uh, EV, the Bolt, versus uh, the Hummer. And uh, uh, it's on YouTube, and it's a, it's, a, it's a fun thing to watch. And And the Bolt, you know, a lot of people don't like it, but I, I like the Bolt a lot. I thought it was a really functional vehicle with good range and good performance.
2: Yeah, it's a little uh, little sports car. You'd never guess. Um, it, it hauls really good. It has a lot of space in it, yeah. and it's cheap. It's available. You can go to a Chevy dealer and buy a Volt right now, I mean, a Bolt right now, and they still have discounts on them. So you can get it between thirty and $40,000, and then you'll never have to visit a gas station again. Um, they're very underrated, I think.
1: Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit more about the website before we let you go. It's, It's such a great website. It's full of a lot of great information and a lot of good forums, too, which makes it really interesting. Well,
2: thank you very much. My brother and I, Josh, uh, we started GM-trucks.com 23 years ago, and we have become the largest GM truck and SUV enthusiast website in the world. We reach a million and a half GM truck uh, enthusiasts. We have Facebook groups. We have online forums. We basically cover the gamut, whether you own a Silverado, a Suburban, a Tahoe, a Blazer, whatever you got. A Hummer EV, we are the place for you to come and find. And other enthusiasts, or like-minded enthusiasts, people who enjoy these vehicles, talk to them about your problems, get advice, find out what accessories maybe you should be putting on your truck, and we'd we'd love to have you there with us. So, GM-trucks.com, GM-trucks.com. We'll see you there.
1: And and that's and that's where you find it. And you and you've been doing this for. I thought you were like thirty years old. How oh, can I mean, you be doing no. this for twenty-two years? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
2: slightly
1: older than that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I guess we've uh, we've known we've known each other for that long, so it, seemed, it seems it seems like that. But yeah, but uh, but it is it is a it is a website that's it's it's rich in material. It's a great place to go when somebody when somebody writes to me with a question. I'll, a lot of times, I'll recommend going to your website to sh- see what other other people are doing. See what you know if you're going to make some changes. If you're going to try to do performance mods, or you're going to try to do off road off road mods go and see, go and see what other people are doing and, and that way you're you can kind of work together and get the best get the best product when you're done so it makes a ton of sense so uh, it's
2: a great resource
1: yeah it really is hey zane i want to thank you for taking a little time out of your sunday morning and joining us any any snow up in new hampshire yet
2: uh, we've had about a half an inch of dusting, and, but right now I'm looking at a green lawn. So
1: there. it's cold, but bring on the snow. I'm ready to go skiing. There you go. Hey, Zane, thank you very much, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me on, John Paul. I'll see you again soon. Have a great day, and thanks a lot, everybody. Bye-bye. That was uh, Zane Merva, half of uh, the Merver brothers, Josh and Zane, who started uh, uh, gm-trucks.com 22 years ago. He really is a young guy, though. I think he's in his 40s. But uh, it's a great resource if you have a gm truck of any sort gmc chevrolet whatever the case is and you're th- looking for questions you're looking for different things you want to do you're looking for the latest news like i said he has the hummer ev battery recall update uh the buick electric crossover prototype he's got some photos of that undisguised uh, look of the new silverado um the uh, uh gmc sierra ev denali edition one what you need to know there's all kinds of great stuff on the website so it's gm gm hyphen or gm dash truck.com go check it out we need to take a break and pay some bills my name is john paul this is the car doctor program phone lines are open at 781-837-4900 we'll be right back
3: AAA is with you at every moment in your life they have 24 7 roadside assistance which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com join.
4: Quirk Kia Marshfield, offering the same great customer sales and service you expect from a Quirk dealership. Go in, browse their well-stocked lot, and drive home in a brand new Kia, like the 2023 Kia Forte or the 2023 Kia Sportage. And the Quirk service department will be available to you for the lifetime of your vehicle. Quirk Kia Marshfield works for you. Quirk Kia, 923 Plain Street, Marshfield. Just off Route 3 at the new Exit 27. Visit QuirkKiaMarshfield.com. Quirk to save
5: money Work works for you Well, hey there. It's Chris from South Shore Buds in Marshfield. I don't know about you, but I grew up pretty skeptical of anything cannabis related. From the time I drank juice in a box to long after I drank wine from a box, I stayed away. I just said no. It wasn't until I met someone who answered all of my questions, and I had a lot of them, that I finally gave it a try. It didn't take long for me not just to become a fan, but to discover the potential benefits of cannabis. So, if you're curious, if you've got questions, like I did, stop by South Shore Buds. Or, if you're an experienced consumer looking for a thoughtfully curated menu, stop by South Shore Buds. We'll help you find your happy place. We're at 985 Plain Street, just off Route 3 at Exit 27 in Marshfield, or... Check us out online where you can browse, place an order for pickup, or place an order for delivery at SouthShoreBuds.com. That's SouthShoreBuds.com. Always consume responsibly.
0: Talk Radio with a South Shore point of view. Hi, I'm Kevin Chachi. Join me tomorrow for Monday Night Talk, where the South Shore comes to talk. Tomorrow night after the 6 o'clock news here on 95.9 WAPD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at eleven for John Paul, the car doctor on ninety five nine WATD. Now back to the car doctor, and welcome back to the car doctor program. And again,
1: thanks to uh, Zane Merver for joining us. Uh, very informative website. Go check it out. A uh, couple things um, that I get to experience this week. Uh, uh, for those of you who are listening and not listening intently i am in florida uh where um i went down to my little tin shack here to see how it sustained the hurricane and uh in between trying to figure stuff out uh here in englewood florida there is a offshore boat race so high performance offshore boat race and i have only just barely been able to see this type of race before um it is um Uh, on Cape Cod a bunch of years ago they tried to run it uh, right off of the Yarmouth-Dennis Beach uh, out on Nantucket Sound and unfortunately weather was an issue on both years Uh, it was not just cold but also there was a lot of wind and a lot of waves and uh, high performance boats that go 100 plus miles an hour don't really like waves that much so uh, it's all about going fast it's not about jumping over the waves so uh, they, they ended up they tried it, didn't work out. Um, but down around Florida, uh, last week there was uh, the offshore races in Key West. This weekend it's in Englewood. It's called Waterfest in Englewood. And uh, some of the money goes towards trying to help the community down here. Uh, but the boats are pretty amazing. In fact, there was one team, and I've seen race car teams before, but I've never seen real race boat teams before, but there was one team, and I think it was Marine Technologies was the name of the company, and they had at least two transport vehicles. They had two um, support vehicles, and I think they had two other trucks uh, with trailers because they take the boat out of the transport, and they have to get it to where they're going to crane it into the water. So they have to do that with a pickup truck and a regular trailer. And some of these uh, superboats are so wide, um, they actually tilt them on an angle so they uh lift them up on like a 45 degree angle on the trailers because they're so wide they're wider than you could uh you know carry them around on the road and some of the boats are uh more conventional you know, 24 26 foot uh boats with the uh, twin inboards or uh twin outboards high performance boats but uh, it is racing it's not like car racing where you can get close to the track because it is the ocean after all uh but they they run they run close enough they come by they come by the front of the beach and uh, it it was it was a a really a really good time, but it it's also because it's racing. It's also dangerous. In fact, there was a boat that uh, was going around the la- going around the course, and the course is about four miles long. And it came back to one of the last turns, kind of hooked the turn real hard, and ejected both the driver and the throttle guy um, under the water, and they thought the boat had actually gone down. It had just uh, tipped on its side, but it kind of got caught on this turn, and uh, fortunately, the guys where one was bounced around had some, uh, what they said was possible minor concussion. The other guy, I guess, was okay. Um, but it is it is racing, and it is dangerous, but it does bring a lot of people to the area uh, there was a there was a line to get in to uh, to uh, uh, go in. They had a, a big kind of pit area set up. They also had a food area, so you could go get you could go get something to eat. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go to one of these um, uh, offshore boat races and you like stuff that makes noise and burns fuel, and you know we haven't seen electric offshore boat racing yet, although I have seen electric. Uh, big electric outboard motors. I haven't. I've, there's, you know, small trolling motors. They've been around for a long time, but uh, there, there are some uh, uh, motors now that are uh, that are going to electric electric motors that are going to be used um, that have some sort of big battery pack. I guess it makes them all work. I haven't I haven't seen one in person other than just read about it. But it, it is it is a really interesting time, and honestly, I like the environment better than the racing, because the racing is a four-mile-long track, if you will, out on the ocean. So there's a lot of it you don't get to see unless you have, you know, a telescope with you. So, um, you know, when the boats come by and they're coming by going fast and they're trying to pass each other, it's, it's racing, it's fun. Uh, but I like that whole experience of you know the you know the 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 announcers up in the towers and you know the the what's going on in the pits and sort of that little bit of frantic stuff where they were taking an outdrive off because they thought there was some kind of problem with it and putting it back together and uh, uh, there was a a great big boat with uh, twin uh, big block uh, outboards with twin superchargers on it or twin turbochargers on it and they fired that up in the parking lot. Uh, you know, just, uh, you know, just that's what, makes, that's what makes it fun. That makes it as much fun to me as the actual racing. Now, today uh, is day two of the racing. And today, unfortunately, the weather is more like it was on Cape Cod during the race they had up there years ago. It's pretty windy. Uh, the wind has been as high as 20 mile an hour gusts where I am. And the temperatures are pretty chilly. Uh, it is uh, probably in the low 60s right now with rain on and off. So I'm not sure if the race is actually going on today. There is a live feed for the race. So you can probably find it if you look on Facebook and look at Anglewood uh, Waterfest and see if see what's go- going on. And uh, yesterday the race started at 10 and it ran till late afternoon. And a variety of different classes. And sometimes they'll put just like... Um, Motorsports racing, sometimes they'll put two different classes sort of in the same race and separate them out uh, by each other. But even with the hurricane and some reports of red tide, uh, the turnout I thought was pretty good. Anglewood Beach was pretty crowded with people, and I was, uh, and I want to thank the. Uh, The local chamber of commerce for, uh, uh, they got me a press pass so I could go to the event and, uh, got to experience it. So, uh, uh, thanks to, uh, the folks over there for getting me into the event. And, uh, I would, I would love to, uh, you know, maybe actually even, you know, do my program from the, from the event one time. That'd be kind of fun to do. Uh, but you know, some of the stuff, some of the stuff we got to do, it's, uh, it's fun to do. A couple of the questions that came into the mailbag this week, um, one of them was a, uh, somebody with a Porsche 911. Now, you know how much do I know about Porsches? Not a whole heck of a lot, but this one is a, um, a battery issue. He says, I have a 2000 Porsche 911. My problem is the battery is one years old. But if I don't drive the car every few weeks, the battery goes dead. The local Napa dealer checked the battery and said it was fine. They said the alternator is charging 13.4 to 13.5 amps. And that isn't enough to keep the battery charged. How do you know if the alternator is charging enough? I check the belts and there's no slack. Well, Porsche does things a little bit differently. They they actually um, rate the alternator output in watts. And the alternator output is 1,680 watts, which, according to Google at least, comes out to about 13.5 amps. So the alternator is doing what it's supposed to do. Um, I I suspect there might be some sort of parasitic draw, something that's maybe drawing the battery down just a little bit. But like many sports cars and uh, other exotic cars, um, it's always best to keep those cars on some sort of battery charger or maintainer so um the one that I've seen that seems to work the best for European cars is the c brand so as much as I'm a battery tender fan um C-Tech, so the letter c t e k um i found this kind of uh charger to be um seems to seems to be the best on European cars in fact, I was um looking for a body shop to have uh, some body damage uh, repaired on the Volkswagen that we keep in Florida because um, my carport fell on top of it and did some damage to it. So I was looking for a body shop, and somebody recommended. I went to a um, a cars and coffee event uh, on Wednesday morning, and I was talking to somebody there, and I I said, can you recommend a good body shop? And he said, oh, there's this little tiny body shop, little little uh, kind of one one man two-man shop kind of thing uh he does good work he's reasonable uh you know you should go check him out so i went to try to find him and the day i went to try to find him he had been out doing errands because his uh one of his guys was out that day so he just shut down the shop and went out to do what he had to do but a few doors down and all the signs are missing because of the hurricane all the signs are missing so a few doors down there was an open garage door and i walked in and uh there was a I said hey can you tell me where there's a body shop and he goes oh yeah that's uh, uh, Jimmy down uh, you know down you know four doors down he should be he should be there good guy he does all my work for me and I started looking around this guy's shop and he was working on he had a 911 in there he was working on he had a BMW in there he was working on he had a, a, a Porsche 928 S4 which is the 32 valve V8 front engine rear wheel drive Porsche which was kind of Porsche's savior car or what they hoped would be their savior car years ago uh, didn't quite work out the way they hoped but uh, a really interesting car though and he was doing a lot of work to that he also had a uh, a Morris Minor um, sort of woody wagon so if you envision like a you know a regular woody station wagon but envision this thing as sort of uh, 50th scale kind of thing. Uh, really nice car, and I, I was talking to him about that, and he said, oh, yeah, you know, I did the wood restoration, and I did this, and I did that. Really interesting interesting guy, and I noticed a, a Vespa scooter with a sidecar attached to it uh, over in a corner. He had a BMW motorcycle stuck in the corner. Um, just a, a neat little shop, and I looked over, and he had three C-Tech battery chargers in the boxes, sitting on sitting on his workbench and I said oh you you use these chargers and he said the same thing he said this is a charger that seems to agree with all the european cars much better than some of the other ones so um good to see good to see that so our phone number if you would like to call and we hope you would is 781-837-4900 and we have John from Norwood online John good morning
0: Morning, John how are you good how are you good Taking my car to the mechanic tomorrow, and um, in addition to a noise I can't figure out, um, it's th- setting three different codes. Looks like two of them are O2 sensor, and the first one I think is a knock sensor. I not online that a lot of times the O2 sensor gets caused by the problem that the original code is. Um, is causing I'm not sure if well writer well
1: yeah i mean when you look at codes you have to almost do them numerically and sometimes what happens is um you look at codes at how they cluster together so if you go in and you look at whatever the car is and there's there's a there's one code and another code maybe there's an oxygen sensor code and a catalytic converter efficiency code so you look at what causes those two codes and then you try to determine where the issue is. So is it the oxygen sensor code that's causing the catalytic converter issue, or is it the catalytic converter is just near the end of its life and it's just, just not going to work anymore? Knock uh, sensor codes will come up uh, periodically. Not that often, though. Uh, they will come up periodically, um, especially on older cars. Uh, sometimes what can happen is, I mean, it, it literally listens to noise in the engine. So if you have a car that has a lot of carbon buildup in the engine, and you might not hear it ping, um, the engine the engine may hear it ping, and it may ping to an extent sort of outside of the window it's supposed to be, and the knock sensor goes, I don't know, something's wrong here. But other times the knock sensor won't hear won't Sort of hear or see what the what 's actually going on, so um, so you, you need to look at the codes individually, but you need to look at them together at the same time so uh, and tell me tell me about the noise in the car
0: um, i I thought it might have been the idler pulley it was coming from I thought from that area okay around the steam belt uh, the, the front of the transverse mounted engine but yep. um I did replace the idler pulley, and that really didn't fix it and,
1: um, and, and what kind of what kind of noise is it is it just, a, a rattle it, or a squeaky belt noise or a squeal? what is it
0: uh, it's more of a a rattle or a metallic sound or it's just um probably that car when the engine's running all you just you know hear is this Know, just yep. normal clicking bells and stuff. And it's just and it's it's also um something that I can hear almost more in the um passenger compartment and it's, it's definitely sensitive to RPM. So I can hear the 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 noise kinda go mm. up in pitch and as I you know, go through the gears and so it's definitely um of a whirring sound when you're in the passenger compartment yeah um so
1: yeah i'm not sure what
0: it is that's why i'm taking it to the mechanic yeah
1: yeah you know i would i would definitely let them take a look at it let them know you replace the idler pulley um what they're going to do yeah they're going to they're going to look down inside there and take take a you know you don't probably get their mechanic stethoscope out or something out to try to try to pinpoint the noise a little bit more um you know, could it be a water pump? Could it be a alternator? Could it be a, a timing belt tensioner? Um, you know, it, it can be any kind of any number of different things. But I think at this point, you got to trust them a little bit, have them look at it, and it could be even it could be even funny that that uh, knock sensor noise that knock sensor could be picking up uh, whatever that uh, engine noise is. You never know.
0: Yeah, yeah, although I think that knock sensor's come on before, and um, i reset it, and, you know, the, the car has hey. never really run worse up until now with the noise, no. but yeah. even though yeah. I've yeah. gotten codes before, the gas mileage never really went down, the, yeah. the engine to be running fine, so sometimes with these codes, you're like, mm, I don't know, is this really a big deal or not? Well, and, and, and
1: and it depends what it is. With, yeah. You know, piece of... Yeah, and for instance, if it's an EVAP code, so something or a catalytic converter efficiency code, the car's going to run fine. You're not going to notice anything Uh, you're, other than your check engine light's going to be on. Uh, it's going to it's going to perform exactly the way it did before because what happens is the system tests itself out, especially with the uh, evaporative emission system. It it, it kind of seals the system uh, and looks for leaks. And if there's a little leak in there, that could be anything from a gas cap to a to a purge valve. Uh, it's going to turn the light on and that, but the car is going to run exactly the same. And the catalytic converter, um, if it's not seeing the front. O2 sensor and the rear O2 sensor aren't seeing what they should see, it's going to turn that code on so you could have oxygen sensor codes but you could also have a bad catalytic converter, but going down the road it's going to run exactly the same as it did before, in fact sometimes it runs a little bit leaner and you get a little bit better fuel fuel economy, so you never really know so you have to look at the codes individually but you have to look at them as a group too and say, well okay I have this code and this code together that could be a you know, leaking purge valve or something. So you have to you have to look at them in different ways. Okay. Okay. Appreciate. Let me let advice. me let me call call back next week. I want to hear what I want to hear what they said. Yeah. Me too. All right. All right. All right. All right. Take care. Bye bye. I think uh, before we take our next break, why don't we try to go to Jim in North Rating? Jim. Hello, John. Hey. How are you?
4: Um, my daughter brought a her car in for a wheel alignment at a big tire chain company, yep. and they couldn't perform it because they said the snow tires in the rear and two different responses from two different service managers, um, they're like diamond-shaped snow tires, very aggressive. And there's, one of the diamond points is sticks up like every other every other uh, ty- uh, uh, tread sticks mm-hmm. up a little bit. And they couldn't perform it. One of them said the wheel alignment, because those tires were deformed, I guess. One said it was because she drove the car in the summertime, and the other service manager, when I went in to talk to him, said it was because the suspension was weak. It had um, 128,000 miles on it, and it hadn't been replaced yet. And I'm wondering which might be correct, and are those tires safe to drive on? It was only the rear tires that have the problem, not the front ones.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the tires are just cupped. So they're, you know, they're worn unevenly. They're probably noisy. um, But that doesn't make them unsafe or give you, I mean, you could, I mean, I mean, you could, you could could align a car with square tires on it. It's not going to really make any difference. Um, You know, as as long as the tires, you know, as long as the tires are, you know, you could, you can align a car with four different size tires on it. Um, it's not going to be right, but you could certainly align it that way. so to say that I can't align a car because there's snow tires that are worn unevenly um doesn't make a whole lot of sense um and to say that we can't align your car because it's got a hundred and you know seventy five thousand miles on it and the suspension is sagging or worn there's some truth to that, but uh that means replacing all the springs. But cars sag with age. Um, You know, you can, you know, as long as nothing's broken or worn. I mean, there's sometimes that I expected you were going to say to me, my daughter brought a car in for alignment, and they couldn't align it because the adjustments were rusted, frozen. Well, that's that's legitimate. You know, that's a legitimate thing. So you can't you can't turn a cam. uh, So what do you do? You can't align the car, but because the car has the suspension has sagged with age, like everything sags with age. Um, you know, is there some truth to that? Yeah, but is there, does that mean you can't, you know, you can't align a car that's wearing the tires, and you can't get the tow-in angle back, and you can't get the castro and camber back? You get the castro and camber back uh, as close as you can get it based on the wear of, of um, you know, how the car has sagged a little bit.
4: Yeah. with the with the cupping, driving it in the summertime in the heat caused
1: it no no it's a, no the cupping's just because the tires were never rotated, and you wouldn 't rotate those snow tires like that, so you know um, no it's just uh, you know running running snow tires year round isn't isn 't a great idea because you don 't you know snow tires are heavier you it cuts down on your fuel economy um, you know they 're noisier you know they 're designed for cold temperatures, not warm temperatures but um but no, no, and to say that they're, the 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 surfaces on them are worn unevenly, yeah, that's what that's what happens to tires when they don't get rotated.
4: I mean, they they have tons of tread left on them.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I would I would run them through the winter and not worry about it.
4: Okay, okay. I mean, okay. She, we replaced we we switched them over two years ago, but last year she got a week yeah. ve- a work vehicle. She didn't use it as much. Right. But they're claiming that it was the the excess of heat in the summertime caused it. Which I didn't
1: buy. No, I'm 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 sorry. I'm not buying that either. I mean, it's, okay, great. You know, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, all right. Great. Take Thanks. care. Thanks. Yep, yep. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, we need to take another break. I think we have a quick break coming up. Uh, my name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor program, and you're listening to 95.9 WATD. We'll be right back.
3: Purchase your tickets now to the South Shore's premier venue for great live music, The River Club Music Hall. Saturday, November 26th, enjoy an evening of your favorite rock and roll with Rebel, America's premier Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers tribute band. Saturday, December 3rd, don't miss perennial, funny favorites Steve Sweeney and Friends. See your favorite shows within the intimate setting of The River Club Music Hall, 78 Border Street in Situate. For tickets and a full list of shows, visit com. You're invited to a special art exhibition at the James Library and Center for the Arts. 2021-22 is a free, juried art exhibition showcasing and honoring art created during unprecedented times. Through December 17th, see what artists created over the last three years during a life-altering time in our history. Sponsored by Napier Financial and the Cordelia Family Foundation, this show features art of all mediums and is sure to leave a lasting impression. The James Library has a handicap accessible entrance and parking, an elevator to bring you to the concert hall, art gallery or library and COVID safety protocols in place so you can enjoy the best in arts close to home, regardless of physical or financial ability. Visit the James Tuesday through Friday from 1 to 5 and Saturday from 11 to 1 at 24 West Street in Norwell. Plan your trip on the James's special events page at jameslibrary.org. Keep your car in tip-top shape at Joseph's Garage. Have your oil changed, tires checked, get an inspection sticker, or just gas at Joseph's Garage. Right down the street from the James in Norwell, Joseph's Garage now offers Gulf pay at their pumps. AAA is with you at every moment in your life. They have 24-7 roadside assistance, which covers you in any car you're driving or riding in, even a rental or your friend's wheels. They have great member rates on home and auto insurance, savings on travel, hotels and car rentals, and discounts on hundreds of your favorite brands. You're covered on and off the road. Learn more at aaa.com slash join.
1: Don't miss the Just
3: Steph show every Monday night from 8 to 10 p.m. for fun guests and tips on living your best life every day. I'm bringing sexy back to Monday night's
0: tomorrow night from 8 to 10 on 95.9 WATD. Make an appointment Sunday morning at 11 for John Paul, the car doctor on 95.9 WATD. Now, back to the car doctor.
1: Well, here's one of the more interesting stories I've ever seen. Service technicians at a dealership uh, were surprised to find a live coyote trapped in the grill of a customer's sedan. Uh, Peter Bullware. Toyota, uh, worked with a local wildlife group to dislodge the coyote to get it to a veterinary hospital for surgery on a broken leg. The St. Francis, uh, Wildlife Association posted photos of the, on Facebook showing the female coyote peering out from behind the grill. How'd it get in there? Um, uh, I guess it got, uh, it got hit out on the road and somehow ended up behind the grill of the car. Um, Technicians removed the grill so Emily Brand, a licensed wildlife rehabilitator, could move the 20-pound creature into a crate. The coyote, estimated just to be under a year old, was sedated, taken in for x-rays, found it had a couple broken bones in its front leg. Uh, she handled the surgery like a champ and is expected to make a full recovery. Uh, news coverage of the unusual ordeal helped the association quickly raise $4,000 to cover the cost of the surgery. Um, the public rushed to her aid. So... Um, look for coyotes in your grills I guess I don't know and here's kind of an interesting one too Um, in a few weeks Tesla will send letters via uh, mail to 1.1 million uh, owners of vehicles about a safety issue on the electric car Uh, but the issue is they've already sort of fixed it Um, there's a guy here he owns a Model 3 and a Model Y so they're kind of similar vehicles uh, they're sort of the lower cost vehicles and um, he has at least twice received a letter from tesla about problems the company had addressed with over-the-air updates a week or two before so uh, kind of confusing for customers where um, you know they had this uh, getting a letter uh, seems kind of wasteful but yet you get the letter it says your car has been recalled but because these cars and many cars today are so electronically focused that they can do the recall sort of well you sleep which i think is kind of a kind of an interesting way to do it so hmm And um, uh, Ford CEO Jim Farley says that uh, starting next year, more than half of Ford's commercial customers should be able to claim some kind of credit by the uh, Inflation Reduction Act, so the EV tax credit. So we'll have to... Have to wait and see if we see that many more electric vehicles on the road. Um, You know, right now I always look at customer incentives and see what's going on. You know, are there any deals, any big incentives? You can usually tell uh, when there's a vehicle that has a big incentive that's not selling that well uh, right now because of sort of lack of inventory. With the exception of like um, what Zane Merver pointed out, in some cases the Chevrolet Bolt. Uh, both in the regular version and the EUV version, has up to a $6,000 incentive if you're thinking about buying one. And um, couple that with maybe some incentives that are available in Massachusetts through the green car folks. Um, You know, last year you could buy a Bolt with all the incentives from some of the local dealers, and Cork Chevrolet was one of them. I think you could buy it for like $21,000, which made that electric car... um, at the affordable price that I kind of always thought it should have been, so you know we'll have to wait and see. So that's a little bit of a couple of things in the news, and of course, um, you know, is there still car shortages? Yes, there are. Uh, we are starting to see we are starting to see that loosen up just a little bit, uh, but there are still some car shortages because of chip shortages in manufacturing. And that music means apparently I used up my sixty minutes of time. Uh, Jesse's trying to tell me you need to get off the air with that music. So I will pay attention to him since he is the executive producer of the show. And uh, I want to wish all of our listeners out there, and Jesse and your family as well, happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy Thanksgiving. And uh, go Black Friday shopping, I guess, too, if you want to do that. Uh, So until next week, make sure you wear your seatbelt, drive safely, be good to your car, and if you see an emergency vehicle by the side of the road, slow down or move over. It saves lives. Talk to you all next week. Mm Bye-bye.